Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 230. Well, it's budget week and we're always interested in what's in there for the ag industry and for rural Australia. So our special guest this week is Luke Bowen, the first CEO of Cattle Australia, the national peak body for the grass-fed cattle industry. Before this role, Luke was head of agriculture, fisheries and biosecurity with the Northern Territory Government and was previously the CEO of the Northern Territory Cattlemen's Association. So in today's episode, we'll be asking for his insight on how the budget looks for the cattle industry. And then we're turning to trade and the opportunities with the UK Free Trade Agreement, which is starting at the end of May, and the EU Agreement, which is in negotiation. Before we get into the episode, a quick look at markets this week, and it wasn't a very positive one for the lamb and sheep market, with supply continuing at strong levels, as we heard about on last week's episode but it looks as like it was enough to overwhelm this week with prices falling across all categories. Mutton prices fell almost 20% over the week, losing around half the gains that had been made over the last month. Restocker lamb and light lambs also ended around 50 to 60 cents lower week on week. There does seem to be signs of weakening demand from the US for lamb, which isn't great news at a time when supplies are so strong. The cattle market really didn't fare any better with the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator continuing its downward trend and pushing to a new recent low. Heavy and feeder steer prices also fell this week after they had been holding firm. I will end on a positive though and looking at our export data for both sheep, meat and beef, China seems to be ramping up purchasing from Australia and it does look like relations are moving in a good direction there as well. That's it from me this week. Enjoy the episode with Robert Herman and Luke Bowen. Thanks, Olivia and Luke. Welcome to Commodity Conversations. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. It is great to be talking about agriculture, um, especially with so much happening and and your new um, Capital Australia. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just let's talk about something really topical right now. The budget was released on Tuesday night. How do you guys view the budget um, from the industry, from the cattle industry perspective? Yeah, look, that's a good question because I think um, the sort of the first pass on uh, Tuesday night was an interesting one because it was, there was a lot of focus on on biosecurity, certainly from the, you know, the last, uh, well, probably two years really, um, and particularly since uh, Indonesia had their first outbreak of um, foot and mouth disease initially, um, and then uh, lumpy skin, which had been roaring out of Africa sort of over the last eight years or so, and making its path through um, through the Middle East and through China and then down through the, the peninsula um, towards Indonesia. And it finally crossed into Indonesia last year. And so it created a huge amount of focus on biosecurity risk because we've got a situation where our livestock industry has prided itself upon its um, disease-free status and certainly in relation to some of those really major diseases like foot and mouth um, and, in, in, and also lumpy skin, which is probably certainly less known, um, but equally any one of those diseases could be found in Australia and immediately our export industries shut down because all our trade protocols are established upon the, um, uh, you know, the the fact that we're free of those diseases. So, you know, all our trading arrangements have been negotiated on that basis. So um, as a a country that's exporting about 70% of our beef, 
um, and lamb and all those other things, um, depending on what the disease is, uh, it's a massive risk um, to to those livestock injuries. So we had this situation where these these were coming 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 at us, um, and so there'd been a really fast sort of pivot to being focused on biosecurity in the last year and a half to two years. And so there's a lot of focus in the budget and building up to the budget in positioning for um, this sort of sustainable level of funding for biosecurity. So there's a lot of a lot of attention as soon as the, the uh, Treasurer got up there and started delivering the speech to see what it meant for biosecurity. And look, to um, the credit of the Minister, um, he certainly, uh, Murray Watt, I mean, he, he certainly um, has sort of got on the front foot with the biosecurity work, uh, and that's certainly well and truly prior to this uh, budget. But um, so what we've seen is a you know a much more um, a bit more certainty going forward into the into the sort of future years in relation to some sort of stable funding um, into biosecurity. The the thing which was probably came as a bit of a surprise was the fact that the cattle transaction levy and it's also applies to a range of other sectors um, uh, where there's um, levies that are that are applied for to RDCs. Um, the, the cattle transaction levy, which for cattle is five dollars, um, has they've put 10% on top of it basically which is another 50 50 cents on top of the levy so it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because you know it's the, the, the transaction levy is sort of a bit of a sacred cow to some extent um it's something that you don't mess with and when when people and particularly industry have been working with governments and others to try and see uh, modifications or changes to the levy you know it's not something that happens particularly mm -hmm. easily so it sort of came in from left field uh what from our perspective you know what's going to be important is how is this le how is this new charge? Um, how is it going to be administered? How's going to how is it going to be collected? Um, what it's going to be used for? Um, clearly, uh, you know, we've also got existing um, biosecurity programs administered by you know by industry and by state and federal governments and the like. Um, we need to make sure that they're fit for purpose as well, and we're not just sort of putting money on top of inefficient systems. Mm. Um, and so if there's going to be a new levy, and there's no, it's going to be specifically a biosecurity levy, we need to make sure that this is as effective and as applied as possible so that we are going to get the outcomes that we need to be able to prepare ourselves for uh, what are considerable biosecurity threats which are on our on our doorstep effectively so i think that's the key thing uh, going forward is how this is going to be applied so um positives and also things that we need to be cautionary uh, and also very much um tuned into well i think that's uh that's that's really making a point there luke and uh it's one thing to have awareness that's another thing to fund it and then as you've rightly pointed out it's a way to get the most bang for the buck um, there was another um, area that I was interested in and in relation to infrastructure with um, with the budget. And we know that especially the Australian cattle industry lies a, a lot on roads. And you guys were saying a bit before the budget about that. Um, do you think do you think those uh, concerns were addressed in the budget? Pretty disappointing, really, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I mean, my my background is in Northern Australia and quite frankly, roads, like they are everywhere, but roads are incredibly important. And I mean, they're, they're, they're sort of like the nervous system uh, that carries carries all the messages and all the information and all the data and, the, you know, putting it in that sort of terms. I mean, they're absolutely fundamental to the functioning of, of agriculture, um, of regional, rural communities and remote communities. And what we've seen in, in, a, in recent years is the decline in the standard of roads in our national network. Um, we've also had a whole lot of natural disasters which have come through and, and uh, you know, given our road network a flogging. Um, and so we're, we're being pushed back behind the eight ball to some extent. Um, 
So, yes, yeah, very disappointing. Um, you know, clearly it was a very strong social social budget. Um, there's no doubt about that. So there's uh, there's a lot of assistance for people who, you know, have been been struggling, um, except that. But, yeah, certainly the roads is, is a very, very disappointing aspect of it. Well, let's switch to something a bit more positive, perhaps, Luke. Um, and that's uh, the, and I guess it's one of the exciting things in your role as CEO and, and the interim of, first CEO of Cattle Australia, so congratulations. Um, one of the exciting things is dealing with trade and uh, and working on the barriers and, and the tariffs that are in place. And, um, you know, the UK trade agreement's been talked about for a while. Um, it's been it's now implemented and uh, is a big improvement on the existing agreement. Um, can you just outline a little bit about what that will mean in terms of um, volumes and, and access? Yeah, look, it's it's obviously um, the, the breakup of or that you know Brexit means that you know the former EU market is now uh, obviously broken. Um, insofar as the UK setting up new free trade agreement with the UK and also setting up the free trade agreement with Europe, what's left of Europe after the after UK has got out. Um, so it's always been a very important market, um, and and Australia has a, a system. Um, which has been established, UCAS system, which has been established specifically, which is the European Union Cattle Accreditation Program, which has been established specifically to be able to manage, um, you know, the, the 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 supply chain assurance and the assurance to, to customers and countries in the European Union in relation to our management of our systems, our quality systems in Australia. So, um, and, you know, certainly at this, this point in time, that's the, the conditions that we'll probably be used in the UK as well. Um, but first of all, I think we've got to congratulate um, you know, industry and governments uh, who have pushed through and managed to get this free trade agreement up and running. Because what it means is, I think the the numbers are something like in the first year, it's about thirty five thousand tons of beef um, into the into the UK, and it's going to um, uh, duty free duty free um, beef. And it's going to grade up to about one hundred and ten thousand tons. So that's a significant um, market, and you know, arguably would be a, a quality market. Um, it's interesting. I've got I've got friends and uh, and and in in the UK who I many many years ago I worked with um, on their farms, their cattle operations, and there's a lot of anxiety in the UK in relation to Australian uh, Australia being given access to the market for those local producers, and uh, I think they've had experience with uh, Australian lamb producers in the past uh, and the effectiveness of our ability to get product into the market efficiently. Um, so I think. Managing those uh, any concerns uh, in the UK will obviously be um, front and centre for the the UK government, uh, and obviously what we have to be able to do is make sure that uh, we provide the the greatest assurance um, and certainty in relation to what we're supplying and our traceability systems and all the rest of it. So I think as Australia does it incredibly well. I think uh, you've you've um, outlined that pretty well, Luke. Um, as usual, though, the devil's always in the detail. Um, do you think there are some specific requirements that the UK farmers are going to be able to uh, insist on that are going to, that are things that we should be considering or considering about as, uh, as far as our producers go? Yeah, look, I think that at the end of the day, that's that's going to uh, these sorts of conditions, which I think are probably still being talked through, will need to be negotiated. Um, the main thing is that we uh, remain. Um, you know, able to meet those requirements. I think that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, these these markets are important long term to get the confidence of of those um, you know those countries that we're we're meeting the requirements of you know their consumers and obviously their their regulations. So I think the main thing is that um, Australia is um, you know on hand to make sure that we meet whatever requirements they they see is deemed to be fit. 
So Australia, we know, well, we're pretty sure we remain a world leader in producing the high quality, healthy, sustainable beef. Um, it's underpinned by what's unquestionably world leading traceability systems. And is that well understood by the UK, do you think? And by well, um, by customers in general, I guess. Yeah, look, I think that's probably, I mean, my my own personal view is it's probably not necessarily. I I think we probably take it for granted. I mean, I if we look at when you know Australia introduced the NLIS system, you know, it was quite controversial at the time and I had a lot of pushback from it. It's become, I mean, it's just become um standard operating procedure really for everybody these days. And I know we're now at the stage where uh, there's quite a bit of focus on what's next. Um, you know, sheep and goat traceability obviously is really, really important, um, as it is for a whole range of other species as well, because what we've seen with this, um, you know, the threats around foot and mouth disease, for example, is these are multi-species um, diseases. So if we get an outbreak of foot and mouth disease, it's, you know, it basically jeopardises sheep, goats, a whole range of other things as far as their export and domestic markets and whatever else. So having a really robust national system which is multi-species which we know is able to trace and track really quickly and really effectively is really important so i guess what what cattle has pioneered we need to be building on and i think there's also um the opportunity to do a lot more around what what goes with that traceability and i think there's um you know a lot of work going into the possibilities for carrying a lot more data with the with the electronic devices that animals have um to meet new requirements so that for example if you know you have an animal that has been vaccinated for a certain disease well you know how do you know that animal's been vaccinated if that data can be carried with that animal that's that's an advantage rather than necessarily having it um through sort of a third party or, or on a on a database somewhere that is, is clunky so uh, i think these systems are really it's it's really a ripe time to be reviewing all these systems and and producing a a, a framework um that's fit for purpose for the next 20 20 or 30 years and able to give us a really good edge should we heaven forbid ever have a serious outbreak that we can track and trace and and stamp out uh these diseases quickly um because we know how fast um livestock movements are around the country and if you're a few days late um it could be the difference between an eradication effective eradication and not absolutely um i'm speaking to luke bowen today on commodity conversations and uh, luke is the inaugural ceo of cattle australia um luke this is the uh, national representative body that's um recently just formally taken on its role representing the grass beef cattle industry you've got uh, well-known um, cattleman and Mr. David Foote has been elected as chair. Um, how's the new peak body going? I mean, it's still early days, but you must be getting a feel for it now. Yeah, no, that's right. It's It's been, um, for me, I've been in the job for, well, this is my fourth week now. Um, <laughs> and, and 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 I guess it's been a, an interesting um, sort of journey that that's the Cattle Australia has had because it's been through the restructure of Cattle Council of Australia, which took place uh, at the end of last year, that when the final pieces sort of fell into place. Um, but many listeners may not be aware of the, the history because his, because in the background, Cattle Council of Australia was a body that had been established and its members were the state farmer organisations. So it was, you know, the West Australian farmers and pastoralists mm -hmm. and graziers and so on and so forth. Uh, and from where I came from, the Northern Territory Cattlemen's Association. And so they were the members. Um, and so those members fed fed into all the structures, including the board and um, the governance of Cattle Council of Australia. So over quite a few years, um, the, the, the push was to turn 
Cattle Council Australia into a direct membership body. Um, and that came to a final fruition at the end of last year, which means that the members of Cattle Australia, the new entity, are industry um, levy payers, um, individual producers. Uh, we also have associate members who may not own cattle, but they are part of the industry as well. Um, and also the state farmer groups are also uh, members uh, as well. So it's a direct membership model. And last year, the elections were held for um, the new board. You mentioned uh, David Foote, the, 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 um, uh, the chair. So what what has happened is we've got three regions around Australia. There's the northern uh, region, which is effectively the NABRAC, which is the northern research zone, the southern and also the western. So we've got three broad regions. And within those, we have um, 15 sort of sub-regions effectively. So the elections take place from those three broader regions, um, and that forms the board. Um, then we have and it'll it'll take place in the second six months of this year um, a process to elect a policy council policy advisory council mm -hmm. and that will be constituted of representatives once again from the 15 regions around the country which are geographically spread um, and it, in addition to that there'll be uh, representatives from each of the state farm organizations and that will form the policy council and that will be the group that will work on uh, issues of you know significance to the industry uh, these are, you know, there's a, at the moment, for example, there's a, a myriad of working groups um, and task force that, that that work through our existing policy council that work on everything from, you know, um, uh, rewriting the Ausvet plan um, to sort of managing programs around lumpy skin, foot and mouth, uh, you know, preparedness and that sort of thing. There's a myriad of things, um, supply chain assurance systems and all that sort of thing. So, it's a critically important um, that Cattle Australia as the peak representative body for the cattle industry has, uh, you know, a really strong sort of policy component, um, which is the, you know, is going to complement the work of uh, some of our research and development agencies and organisations um, to enable us as an industry to continue to trade, to get in front of some of the challenges that are, that are, that are coming forward and also capitalise on some of the opportunities. So that will be in place uh, sort of towards the end of the year. Um, and ultimately, we'll continue to build our membership base, uh, building our value proposition. It's obviously it's obviously voluntary uh, membership. And so, you know, the ultimate aim is to be working with um, every levy payer, uh, ultimately uh, has, uh, has the capacity to be a member of Cattle Australia. And we have the ambition to be a, a powerful, connected and effective organisation that that people feel is um, working for their interests, working for the interests of, of the, the cattle industry more generally and people in regional, rural and, and remote Australia who are running at the moment 50% of Australia's landmass. So our industry, uh, it's quite an amazing statistic that 50% of Australia's landmass is under the stewardship of Australian cattle producers. Uh, it's it's very, very important. And so that cattle industry that manages that land have a wonderful, uh, incredible opportunity and also responsibility for you know, shepherding that land through for the next generations. And you add to that the, um, you know, the, the amount of uh, exports, it's the largest export sector. Um, it's where the second, sometimes the largest, but often the second largest uh, beef exporter in the world is Australia. And, and we're currently producing about 30% of Australia's agricultural production. So um, it's a, certainly a sector that deserves to have good representation um, and have a, have a voice that's effective. Um, a absolutely, Luke. And, uh, and I guess also you've got to then link up with, um, with other industry bodies as well. So the lot feeders, um, 
uh, RMAC, Red Meat uh, Authority, uh, MLA, etc. So there's a there's a big connectivity in in amongst that, but the the core business goes back to those cattle producers. That's where it all starts. Absolutely. At the end of the day, the only reason uh, there's an organisation called Cattle Australia is we have a cattle industry and we have cattle producers, uh, the mums and the dads and the everybody in between who are, um, are running the running the industry and keeping keeping what is such an incredibly important industry afloat. So our connectivity and ability to work with um, with our members is going to be you know is critical. And like you say, um, we are part of a, a broader family. So the red meat industry is uh, a big, big family and um, a number of organisations which are in the same role, providing that leadership, um, you know, as, as, as you do with, with in the sheep industry. Um, and so we're very much, um, you know, working together to further the, the you know, the um, uh, outlook for our, our industries more generally, you know, including the National Farmers Federation and state bodies and all that sort of thing. Because at the end of the day, there's few in number, but we are very uh, important as far as the economy and, and what we do uh, for the nation. We are few in number, and uh, and that's why we need to have voices heard. So, um, Luke, I, I congratulate you on um, your appointment. I congratulate Cattle Australia on the formation of this important um, peak body. Uh, we'll look forward to. Um, a lot of the things that you're going to that are going to come across your desk, and there's going to be a lot of challenges. Um, thank you very much today for coming on Commodity Conversations. Um, we hope that uh, once you get settled in, and uh, and I know four weeks in is not a long time, Luke, but once you get settled in, you'll come back again and give us a bit more of an update on how it's going in the industry. Yeah, look, love to, and thanks very much for your time and and your interest, and uh, and it's a wonderful thing what you're doing. So thank you.